Welcome to Awesome Movie Year, the podcast where we look back at an awesome year for movies, which is every year. My name is Josh Bell, film critic and writer, and here with me is my co-host. I'm Jason Harris, filmmaker, comedian, naughty elf. And that is (laughs) disturbing to think about, but also because this is a special Christmas episode of Awesome Movie Year. We are doing a couple of festive holiday uh, episodes around this time before we get to our third season. And in this episode, we're looking back at the year that we talked about in our first season, 1994, for a holiday movie from that year. We did a copious amount of research, Josh, from 94, 2007, and as we've already announced, season three is 1989. We found a movie, a holiday movie from 1994, and then one from 1989 that we'll cover next. It was quite episode. an ordeal, really, to do all that. Uh, we do. We, there was a lot of controversy, uh, a few fisticuffs, um, and a lot of... <laughs> Many, many hurt feelings, as yeah. there always is. Yeah, that's us. really how so. everything goes on this podcast. But I think we picked two good movies, and really, what's more important than treating each other with respect is finding good movies to cover. <laughs> that's the meaning of the holiday season. <laughs> and so, in this episode, we are going to talk about the 1994 holiday classic, The Ref. Yes, if it's not a classic, it's at least a lost gem, according to many. Yeah, or a cult classic. We did when we were when we were coming up with our plan for the 1994 season, had this as an option for our cult classic episode. And we uh, talked about Cemetery Man instead, which is a slightly different kind of movie. Yeah, but we also had talked about like, was it swimming with sharks or like, uh, with, uh, there's a lot of movies that have this kind of like lost dark comedy feel from the 90s in 94. So Apparently. Interesting trend. And that also star Kevin Spacey. Yeah. So let's get that out of the way. <laughs> Kevin Spacey's in this film. We're going to talk about it as a film. We're not going to talk about uh, all the issues he has because we're talking about the film, not the human being. He's a good actor and he's good in this movie. And uh, not a that's good what person. I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm just saying. Uh, uh, I'm focusing on him in this film. Yeah, you can't look. We'd be we'd never be able to cover any movies anymore if we were erasing people. So. Right? No, we're not erasing movies. But Kevin Spacey, indeed, done some bad things. Yeah, not a great guy. Yeah. Uh, so the ref was not a big hit. It uh, grossed eleven million dollars on a budget of eleven million dollars. It actually grossed eleven million four hundred thirty nine thousand and one hundred ninety three dollars profit, baby. Uh Uh-huh. So no, it was a flop, basically. Uh, But it has become kind of a cult classic over time. But at the time it was released, um, it was not very successful at the box office or necessarily with critics. Uh, It got kind of mixed reviews. It has I I'm I'm wary of uh, Rotten Tomatoes for movies that were released before Rotten Tomatoes existed um, because it's skewed a lot towards retrospective reviews. But it does. It has a 71 percent rating on Rotten Tomatoes, which is mixed to positive. Um, It did get a B plus cinema score rating from the audience polling service, which means that the people who saw it mostly liked it, but just not a lot of people saw it at the time. And uh, did you see this movie? Nope. I I knew about it, but I hadn't seen it probably till a few years ago on. uh, Yeah. On one of the cable television stations and it seems like that's one of the reasons why it built up the following that it had because of things like cable airings and it was on netflix for a while and especially with holiday movies 
people will just look for anything like, oh, this is Christmas related. Let's put it on. And, and people ended up discovering it. This later. is probably a perfect example also of uh, what we miss about video stores, because this is the type of movie that would gain a lot of traction through that market. But uh, as we know, they're dead, Josh. They're, some of them are still around. We have one here in town. Movies and Candy. Right? I wrote about it in a I magazine, know. as you well I do well know. Aware. Yeah, we, we've mentioned it on here before, probably. And it's a nice place. Yeah, we like it. All right. Don't sound too enthused. Anyway, um, yeah, review-wise, it was mixed. If you had a video store, what would you name it? I have not thought about that. Oh, Dave? I, blockbuster video? Would it be like wax? Wax videos? Because <laughs> The upstairs room and wax tracks that you can't get into because of all the boxes. That's where we keep all of our DVDs. Oh, you should. Dave's family, for those who don't know, owns uh, Wax Tracks Records. Don't know why we're plugging you, Dave. But uh, anyway, appreciate it. why don't you open that room up as like a video store? That would be awesome. If you ask my dad, it is a, a open and it's completely accessible. But then once somebody tries to go in there, it's impossible. And I have to do a whole lot of work to get them in. Dude, can I join? This sounds like a great. <laughs> I don't know if I'm having a midlife crisis, but if I am, this sounds like a perfect thing for me to be doing with my time. Yeah. Come on down. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> All right. Hey. We just opened a video. We store. did come to Wax Tracks for all your Christmas video shopping needs. The upstairs room. Yes. But let's call it the room. balcony. That's better. But it's not okay. Let's get back to the ref. <laughs> Roger Ebert said he gave it. First of all, Roger Ebert gave it a thumbs up. Gene Siskel, however, gave it thumbs down. Three stars from Ebert. Uh, so yeah, he liked it. He said material like this is only as good as the acting and writing. The ref is skillful in both areas. Dennis Leary, who has a tendency, like many stand-up comics, to start shouting and try to make points with overkill, here creates an entertaining character. And Judy Davis and Kevin Spacey, both naturally verbal, develop a manic counterpoint in their arguments that elevates them to, uh, that elevates them to a sort of art form. Not my favorite Ebert review because the material like this is only as good as the acting and writing. Well, like all you can really do is put the technical on top of that. It's like there's that's two thirds of making a movie right there. So. Yeah, that's true. So, of course, the material is only going to be as good as the acting, writing and technical aspects of it. So, right. But yeah, it's, it's right. I think what he's saying maybe is that this kind of story. Yeah, they yeah. did justice to it or or this story could easily have not worked with lamer jokes and worse performances or whatever, or lazier performances. Yes, yeah, that's fine. Um, but he liked it. Uh, Siskel did not. They had a, I watched the episode and they, they had a strong disagreement. Like recently you watched it? Like a day? Yeah, like, doing research for this podcast. I watched. What both. did Siskel say? Was he like, dude, tell us what Siskel said. Oh, I didn't, I didn't write down. Yeah, any just give us quotes. a reenactment. <laughs> a reenactment of the Siskel and <laughs> yeah. argument. Uh, Siskel thought it was very one note oh. that it, that it stayed in the same tone throughout. And, and Ebert argued that the introduction of more characters later in the story kind of brought it to another level. And Siskel felt like, come on, help. Gene, <laughs> that's a terrible. Impression. Well, you're not even trying at least. Now, come I'm, on, Gene, no. there's an escalation and more characters and, Three stars. All right. This show's going in a strange direction. Yeah. <laughs> it's a holiday show. <laughs> People are drunk on eggnog. Um, but what if Christopher Walken? Was no, <laughs> stop. Do not. Do not even start with that. Karen James in the New York Times said, set on Christmas Eve, the ref evokes a familiar kind of holiday feeling, the high anxiety and claustrophobia of spending a long dinner with feuding relatives. 
The plot sounds hopeless, but the film is handled with gleeful irreverence, dark wit, and cynicism. Staying clear of any mean-spirited attitudes, The Ref is a film to warm the hearts and touch the nerves of dysfunctional families everywhere. Don't be misled by commercials that make The Ref look like slapstick silliness. This is a grown-up film that delights in undermining Christmas cliches. I think that was one thing. I don't remember ads from the time, but I think this movie was mismarketed. Dennis Leary was, uh, I wrote that down as a quote. He said uh, he, he was not happy with the way it was marketed either he said oh well i mean apparently i didn't write it down all right but it was maybe you can do an impromptu impression much like my (laughs) siskel and ebert he said folks let me tell you something folks no uh he's jason just pulled a cigarette out of nowhere (laughs) yes yeah it's called space work everybody no he had said that like they made it made it look like he's the mtv guy in the marketing for this and as we know literally only the last line in this movie is him doing anything rantish you know it wasn't you know there was no i don't want to go off on a rant but wait didn't dennis miller that's yeah that's not him dennis leary is way better but he was he was all about that kind of persona and this was his first starring role i guess he'd been in a few movies in in smaller parts but this was his kind of big vehicle after his breakout on mtv and also his no cure for cancer stand-up special which ted demi directed who Both directed of this and, movie and he directed those mtv ads oh there you go which are awesome i actually a few years ago um an, an, an unreleased project of mine Ooh, i did uh, an homage to those where we went down to a bar and i looked in the camera and we shot like kind of cool dutch angles and we were gonna um you know do it in black and white and it was all just me telling jokes to the camera a la how Leary did those rants in the nineties. I think it's cool. I want to re revisit that. Did you shoot it like in black and white? Well, I think we would post it in black and white, but I don't know if we shot it in black and white, but that was the goal to age it and and release it other than the smoking, you know, right. I'm not much of a ranter, I, you know, but a storyteller, I'd say. But sure. But it was I mean, I still remember those like, you know, what, 25 years later. Yeah. Yeah. Those, those MTV cool. things. I was a big Dennis Leary fan at that time. Yeah. I yeah. love those MTV spots. I remember I think I might still have at home the like CD of No Cure for Cancer with the stand up material and then his little songs asshole that had a video yeah. on MTV, I think, too. When I when I went to. uh my Sunday school classmate, Joel Nadelman's Bar Mitzvah, our swag bag included him giving us a tape of uh, a song that he personalized for each of us. And, and mine was asshole. Wow. That's, I don't know if that's endearing or creepy. I think it or, was more like, sounds hey, like a lot of work for Polar uh, Joel Nadelman there. Well, he didn't really did have he, much did going on. Did he sing on. the songs? No, he would re- it was mixtape, mid-90s, oh, oh, man. He okay. recorded a song for everyone. It would have been better if it was I like, thought you meant he like wrote a song about each of you and then recorded it and put it on a amazing. tape. <laughs> Someone get Joel Nadelman and tell him that uh, he totally uh, half-assed the effort here. <laughs> that, yeah. Um, he just picked a song. Like, I see. No, I understand 90s. it now. Right. Yeah. yeah. I put it on a tape and, yeah, and you push record. Each one put like, fit your personality. Right. Yeah. And or yours was somebody, asshole. Right. Either so I'm either an asshole or I like comedy and like the song asshole right. as you did. Yeah, I did like that song. Yeah. yeah. And 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 I loved yeah, I love Dennis Leary. And we can talk about this a little in the legacy, but Dennis Leary, I feel like, is someone who I look back on and think just nothing about Dennis Leary has aged well, I think. Hmm. Interesting. One more review. What about his face? Um, no, his face looks fine, I guess. I mean, <laughs> nothing about his material has aged well. One last review. 
um, a more negative one from Owen Gleiberman and in Entertainment Weekly. Judy Davis with her neurotic intelligence and Kevin Spacey with his quizzical domestic smolder would seem to be the perfect actors to star in a black comic who's afraid of Virginia Woolf. But the ref is crushingly blunt-witted and monotonous in its celebration of domestic sadism. The chasseurs have their horns locked within two minutes, and so the movie has nothing to do but repeat the same joke over and over. As their eye-rolling antagonist, Dennis Leary tries hard to act dangerous, but he's a bantamweight punk, a yuppie with attitude. Hey, Gleiberman. <laughs> Get in close, Gleiberman. I got something to say to you. The whole premise rests on him going and accidentally, you know, kidnapping a couple who's already fighting. If they weren't fighting in the beginning, then the setup doesn't work at all. That's a totally misguided review. Shame on you, Gleiberman. Wow. Shame. Okay, right. maybe it's not that bad. Yeah. But, I mean, I but think, you do need that from the beginning. That first scene's important. Yeah, it is important. But I think what he's saying here is kind of similar to Siskel's complaint is that we get the joke in the first two minutes of this movie, and then it just kind of continues for 90 minutes. Well, I well, again, I would disagree, and I would agree with Ebert in that it escalates because of all the players that become involved. It does, it's not just the three of them over and over again. Right. That's true. I, I do sympathize a bit more with the negative opinions on this movie. You do that about everything because you're a Grinch. And That's this true. Is a holiday Grinch. <laughs> that is actually quite accurate. <laughs> You're a holiday Grinch, Josh. I am indeed a holiday Grinch. So, so you think I would love a movie like this that's all about kind of taking the piss out of the holidays, but... Not just that. Also, okay, the three of us uh, are all Jewish, right? Well, You're like a half I'm a half Jew. Yeah. And I'm a bad, bad... Like, I'm not a good representation of the Jews at all. So. Am I? Are you? You just no. look. Like I mean, your your name is Jewish Dave. That's true. Yeah, yeah. but that was bestowed upon me. When okay. I uh, yeah. when I toured colleges doing stand up, uh, when I went to the Midwest a lot, a lot of the kids would be like, "Oh, you're the first Jew I've been." I'd be like, "I feel bad for Jews. This isn't fair to them." <laughs> what was your point? My point oh, was yeah. this: when we were all growing up, I didn't celebrate Christmas, right? And so going to see a movie, a Jewish Christmas, you go you go to a movie and you get Chinese food with mm -hmm. your family and the other Jews who are also out, right? This is a perfect movie about for a Jewish Christmas because like you said, it takes the piss out of the holiday. Right, right. So. Yeah, I, uh, I did grow up with Christmas. My Jewish mother loves Christmas. So uh, I didn't have those experiences, but I, I, I have seen a lot of Christmas movies. Yeah, I, I have too. And I'm doing Christmas this year. Now that I have a kid, I love Christmas too. All right. <laughs> So, so you saw this. Um, did you like it when you first watched it? Do you remember why? Like, was it because of the cult following? Yeah, that was it. I do like Dennis Leary and I liked Rescue Me, at least until it went really far yeah. off. The I think a lot of his projects start off well and then they just kind of meander. You know, I like the job that show where he was a cop on right. ABC. And then uh, I did like Rescue Me for a few years and then I stuck it out for the last few for uh, just despite myself apparently <laughs> but no I, I watched it and i was like oh this is pretty good i see why people like it uh i liked it more this time around yeah um i watched it probably for similar reasons i did as i said like dennis leary a lot for a while and had heard a lot about how this movie had a good reputation and i remember i don't exactly know when it was it was 10 or more years ago i think that i watched this on dvd or whatever and i remember really not liking it at the time and I liked it a little more this time. So we both improved our yeah. assessment. So, I mean, liking it a little more for you, being a holiday Grinch that you are, that's a big success. Right. My this, heart so. grew two sizes in relation yeah. to this movie. So, <laughs> um, 
<laughs> we can get into that uh, when we come back and talk about our general thoughts on the ref. Welcome back to Awesome Movie Year and our special holiday episode, looking back to our season on the films of 1994. We're talking about The Ref, starring Dennis Leary, who is a product of his time. I still like, I mean, uh, well, we're recording this right before Christmas time, and he's uh, acting in another one of those uh, Christmas miniseries, right, on Fox. The Woobies, the Wibbies, the Wooba Woobies. I don't know what you're talking hey, look about. Look up IMDb and look at what he's doing. It's a, <laughs> it's like a three night mini series where it's basically Christmas with the cranks type. Thing, oh, that you know? sounds like something I don't. I like watch. Dennis Leary. I think he, I think Ted Demi, who directed this film, got more out of him than a lot of other directors have, and I think with the right vehicle, he can be very good. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm maybe being overly harsh on him. I think actually going back and looking. Watching this movie now, because again, like I said, I think the first time I watched the movie, it was coming out from a place of, oh, I like Dennis Leary. I'd like to see this kind of underappreciated thing that he did. And coming to it now, my thought was, I kind of can't stand Dennis Leary anymore. And I'm worried that this movie is just going to drive me nuts. And it didn't. He's he's subdued comparatively in this movie yeah, to he, other things that he's done. He plays the part. He doesn't. Yeah you know, quote unquote, Dennis Leary, you know, which I think, and to his credit, he does that. He tries to act, you know, he tries to act. No, he's a good, I think he's a good actor, but I'm saying he never is like, Oh, I have to be Dennis Leary, you know? Right. So, yeah. No, it's that's called true. The Moody's by the way, the Moody's, which is a remake of some other okay. mini Christmas mini series. Yeah. We'll watch it, Josh together. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe not. Um, I've watched enough Dennis Leary shows. So, uh, but I think you're right about that, that this isn't a project. I mean, he was brought into this project and Ted Demi also because of those MTV spots and because of his stand-up special, but it's a project that originated not with him. So right. he does come in and basically just do the part. And like you said, there's that bit at the end where he's yelling at his partner. That's clearly a Dennis Leary I kind of. Yeah, that was like their little bone to the Dennis Leary. Right. But for the most part, I would imagine that the dialogue probably stayed fairly similar to what was written. And he's not. Yeah. It's not like they carve out parts in different scenes where they say, OK, now Dennis Leary, do your Dennis Leary thing. Well, that's what I mean. And I think when Ebert's saying, you know, the it's ably handled by the actors, he does his best to find the truth in each scene. And, you know, obviously we know that the other two actors are heavyweights and everything. So. Yeah, yeah. So the basic setup, if you haven't seen The Ref, is Dennis Leary plays Gus, the cat burglar, I guess we could call him. Sure. He's uh, robbing rich people. So he's really like the wet bandits. I thought of Home Alone a lot while I was watching this movie this time. Um, he's robbing the rich people while they're out for the holidays, and he trips an alarm, and so he's got to run away. And while he waits for his partner to get them a getaway vehicle, he kidnaps this bickering married couple played by Kevin Spacey and Judy Davis and holds them hostage in their house and ends up kind of adjudicating their marital troubles. Right. And as the movie goes on, different family members show up and, you know, it, it heightens. Um, so he has to pretend that he's their therapist as opposed to someone who kidnaps them. Uh, I like I like the setting, this small, uh, quaint Connecticut town that felt right to me. I like that the getaway vehicle has to be a boat, you right. know, so because yes. the police have, you know, blocked all the roadblocks. Road yeah. Um, so Richard, Richard uh, LaGravanese and his uh, sister-in-law Marie Weiss wrote this. And yeah. LaGravanese 
big big time writer you know uh fisher king unstrung heroes that's an underrated film i always i've never that. seen that it's quite good you ever see that movie i don't think so you should you have similar hair to john Totoro. Who's <laughs> that's true he does yeah so <laughs> uh behind the kind of labra was like the last uh okay, that was really good yeah he's written a lot of good and i think also probably a lot of like schmaltzy hollywood stuff. yeah i was gonna say the last thing uh was the comedian which i know you hate oh god that movie is awful i didn't see that but i did like that he was part of a comedy duo called the double r comedy duo with Richard O'Donnell, where they would just write and put on plays on Off Broadway. What a magical time that, the late eighties. Sounds were. lovely. Yeah, yeah. But uh, he's a, a very successful screenwriter. He is. Yeah, hugely successful. And I think you can tell that they've drawn from personal experience on this. In this story, right. there's a lot of specific detail of how the family interact that seems like it comes from someone's personal experience. Right, and they filled it with like an all-star cast of character actors. Um, including B.D. Wong, Vincent Pastore, Richard Bright, Adam LaFevre, LaFevre. All right. Just keep pronouncing names. Christine Baranski, Glynis Johns, Raymond Barry. Come on. Yeah, Glynis Johns is really good as the the mother-in-law, Kevin Spacey's mother, who is this very, like, patrician, cold, like, condescending woman who demands things from her children. And she definitely, as, as Ebert says, you know, she brightens things up, I think, when she shows up. Yeah, I, uh, uh, you know, the thing, I, when I was doing the research on this, like, I saw some of her, like, kind of, because she's done whatever. Oh, yeah, of she's movies, had a decades-long career, yeah. Man, she, you should go back and look at some of the glamour shots she took back in the day. Beautiful, beautiful old Hollywood, you know, type glamour shots. She's a right. beautiful woman. Uh, you know, and then of course Robert Ridgely, John Skirty, who we see, you know, in uh, as as Kenny, the lieutenant in Rescue Me. Yes. And uh, the one I wanted to get to, first movie appearance ever by J.K. Simmons. Yeah, I noted that down as well, and it, it does decently with his small part as the lieutenant or some sort of military school official who is being blackmailed by the couple's son who is a bit of a juvenile delinquent. Right. He wants to leave because the parents have been fighting for so long and don't treat him well that he doesn't see any future in little Connecticut. And uh, so he's saving all the money that they, that he's getting through the blackmail to, to go make it on his own. Yeah. And JK Simmons doesn't, I mean, he doesn't have a whole lot to do here. And one of the things that I thought was, I wondered if there was a cut scene or something because he shows up at the house and he's, it's this, kind of escalation of the farce right? right one more person for them to deal with and there's a scene when he comes in and he says here's what's going on and then he disappears and then it's two, three scenes later or something they just say what happened to him and they're like oh he left so i i felt like that was sort of a missed opportunity i think you're probably right in that there was probably a cut scene before too because you know we get him calling the wife and yeah. or the wife calling him and he's like i'm still doing something at work well, there's probably a few more emotional builds to his character that we didn't get in there. Yeah, I felt like that whole subplot about the kid with the blackmail at military school was kind of useless. I mean, they need to show you that the kid is this delinquent because he's then going to idolize Gus and say he wants to have a life of crime himself. And then he has to learn that that's not a good thing. But I just felt like that whole subplot was pretty undercooked, honestly. And I I do kind of sympathize with with Gene Siskel and with Owen Gleiberman that this movie is really one note. Yeah, that I don't agree. It's kind of funny at first, and then it just does the same things. And even those other characters just show up to do mostly the same thing. I, again, other than Glennis Johns, who is entertaining, 
I felt like those characters didn't really add a whole lot to the central idea of this couple fighting with each other and then reconciling at the end, which I totally didn't believe at all. Well, I, I liked about the first half and then, you know, where as, as they say on script notes, the Rocky Shoals in uh, act two, getting from the middle of act two to the end of act two, I thought like it dipped, but I thought act three picked up again and, you know, you know, the resolution worked and the way that they had been arguing the whole movie they use that to kind of help uh, propel the ending. Yeah, that is a funny little bit at the end where the cops show up and they are arguing with each other as sort of a cover to help Gus get away. Uh, it does build on what we've seen before. I, I, I just didn't feel like that idea was all that funny. And there's so much other useless stuff in this movie. Not only the military school subplot, but every time they cut away to the bumbling cops, I just thought, who cares about these guys? Or the drunk Santa? I mean, it all was not really relevant to the story. I mean, it, it's just building blocks that aren't entertaining. So that at the end, you can know like, oh, right, the cops were looking for him. Or, oh, this drunken Santa guy can stumble in so that they can steal his Santa suit to help Gus right. get away. But none of it was entertaining, I felt like, on its own until it got to the point where it served the plot. So I think that's fair, but it is relevant. I mean, I think what you're saying is you needed a better execution of those subplots, but I do think they're all relevant. Right. I mean, the but they're the only there because they are like puzzle pieces or whatever, so that they can get the plot where it needs puzzle to go. Puzzle pieces, Dave. Uh, <laughs> get the plot where it needs to go. And yeah, they should be more entertaining. I wasn't amused by the by Raymond J. Barry's character of the like put upon cop who's resentful of being the cop in this rich community and i really wasn't amused by the drunk santa neighbor yeah i didn't and- think that was very good i mean i don't know i don't disagree like i wasn't like oh man this is like a real rocket booster or the but i just like the whole piece i guess you know so yeah i didn't love it but i liked it and um maybe because it's you know other than bad santa what do you think about when you think of like a fuck you to a Christmas movie, you know? So, yeah. Well, I've watched uh, a lot of Christmas horror movies and there's, there's plenty of that in those, but yeah, as far as comedies go, this is, and I think that's part of why it's gotten this following because if you're looking for that kind of movie, there aren't a lot of options. And so you find this one. Yeah. I don't know. I think it executes pretty decently. And, but I do agree with you. It does definitely feels time stamped to 1994. Yeah. Well, the whole idea of I, I, Dennis Leary, again, he has had a career, but again, the idea of this hip, quote unquote, stand up comic who we're going to throw him in this mainstream holiday movie and get him to the next level of stardom is very much, I feel like, something that happened. You know, this could have been a vehicle for some guy from Saturday Night Live or something just as easily. Well, but it w- again, you know, they chose this. It wasn't, you know, this script had been bought and then kind of stalled out. And then it was when it got into Ted Demi's hands. This was kind of their next thing together, I guess. Wasn't he in Who's the Man, which Ted Demi directed? I think he might have. I'd never yeah, seen that. So um, I actually met Dennis Leary and Ted Demi. Oh, yeah. Yeah, when I was in college at Boston University, the Boston Film Festival, they were uh, they were promoting Monument Ave, which is another lost I've never seen film. that either. I liked it. It's a small, you know, like kind of Boston crime drama type thing. Oh, that seems like something you'd like. Yeah, I, I do like that stuff. And uh, they were both very nice at the time. So yeah, I'm sure they're nice people. And I mean, Ted Demi, of course, had his life and career sadly cut short. Yeah, he did. Um, but I, I guess I just don't. And I wonder if that's maybe another reason 
that this movie has this following. It's one of a handful of movies that he directed and it's, he's got a tragic story. And so if you want to kind of see what he did and where the promise was, this is a movie that you can watch. And I feel like it's the kind of movie that if his career had kept going longer, you could look at this and say, oh, he, he showed early signs of greatness here. And then later on in some movie that he never got to make, he really delivered on that promise. But I don't yeah. think this movie is really is that. Well, it's interesting because I was, you know, revisiting his filmography. And I think Beautiful Girls is probably his most uh, like well-regarded. Yeah. yeah. And, and I wonder if we revisited that, how that would hold up. There's a lot of uh, questionable content. Right. I think, I, I, if I remember, there was like a dude in his 30s trying to date a 15-year-old. There is, yeah, like with that, Natalie so. Portman. I think she's talked a little bit about how that was very uncomfortable for yeah. her at the time. Um, um, but that was, I know that that movie was, uh, of all his movies. And Blow, I didn't like, I thought that was his most forced effort, you know? Um, but yeah, it would have been interesting to see where he went, Ted Demi. Yeah, um, it would have. But again, I feel like this isn't a, this isn't a movie that I I feel like isn't a movie that you watch and think, wow, what a great filmmaker who never got sure. to make more great films. You think, oh, this guy did an all right job with this, and he could have done some greater things later. I think that I mean, I just think it's like a built like he co-created Yo MTV Raps. He did those awesome spots. No Cure for Cancer was a different look for a for a comedy special a different feel for one right yeah and then he wasn't trying to repeat himself as a filmmaker he was making different types of movies so you do wonder like where the progression would have gone right i do wonder about that but i i I don't know i mean not to crap on the poor guy who died young but i feel like there are other people filmmakers maybe who got cut short and you know everything they did they did like multiple great movies and then it was over and this was more like it was building to something hopefully but it wasn't quite there yet that's fair but also this movie besides you and gene Siskel, is very well regarded as entertainment weekly in 2012 named it one of the best 50 movies you've never seen yeah it is well regarded i mean i think we've said this over and over it has this cult following thank you for uh <laughs> getting that in there organically um it does have that following um and in fact, I think I might have seen this because my sister is a big fan of it and she might have suggested it to me the first time I watched it. I know she really loves it now and uh, is not going to be happy that I am not a fan. Well, that's okay because I'm friends with your sister. Hi, Brandy. Yes. And uh, we've seen movies together such as The Informant by Steven Soderbergh, that's which we both like. Random one to pick <laughs> out. Uh, we've seen, we saw that uh, Widows. We saw Widows together. Okay. That's a good movie and we both like this movie but we have not watched it together no. so so brandy next time you're in town you can watch the ref well you can watch the ref yeah should we talk about any other performances in this movie judy davis kevin spacey i i do think they're good i think that they're very good yeah the uh the note that uh that owen gleberman makes one of the things that he did like is the fact that their their pairing is strong and that they could have been uh a good couple for they could have done a more serious version of this movie and i think they would have done a really good job with it judy davis especially i don't know she barely does comedy yeah richard bright you know from uh he's uh he was in uh the godfather movie oh, okay the godfather. i think i've heard of that yeah so he's an interesting character actor who plays murray yeah you know and you know we all know christine baranski who i thought did well in her part yeah she's fine i mean i feel like that's i mean this was maybe an early thing for her but it's the kind of thing that you expect her to do at this point right uh this does feel like a movie that could be remade though like and you could give it a whole new life and it could be a good kind of christmas movie because 
like you said, it, we we keep saying, you know, it does have a good cult following. But a lot of people haven't seen it, and there are people who don't like it. So, what would a new version of this look like? Right. Yeah, I, I would think right off the bat, Jason Bateman. Ugh. I, as the that's as, what would be as though. Gus or as the the as Kevin Spacey. I, it could I really the go Kevin Spacey way. character. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think so. Yeah. I thought I was excited because I thought you were going to say Jason Harris, and I was going to accept the role. On yeah. This <laughs> this is in the ref remake. Yeah. No, I, I mean, it. I think if you if you were doing it now, it would have to be someone who's like Dennis Leary now, some youngish, up and coming stand up comedian who could, or maybe again, someone from SNL or something yeah. like that, who could use this as a as a jumping off point to a leading career in movies. It feel well, you know, I'm trying to think of like who who is in that age bracket right now, or you know, but uh, I feel like we just did this with casting some other movie. Right, like this. we like casting movies. Maybe we maybe we need to make it a female ref. Oh, that, that could, that be, could good. be good. Yeah, right? yeah. So. Rebel Wilson is the ref or something like that. Yeah, she's great on SNL. Yeah, well, I don't know. It's just someone that. <laughs> I mean, it could be Kate McKinnon. Yeah, I think that. A.D. Bryant, something yeah. like that. Yeah. You know? um, and then, you know, Kevin Spade <laughs> could be played by Louis C.K. <laughs> right, that's great. Sorry, Just cast too, it all with too, those with people like that. Yeah. Can we get Woody Allen to direct it, maybe? Let's not He's available? Yeah. <laughs> maybe? So. Yeah. Let's, let's leave that there. Um, was there anything else that you particularly liked about this movie since you liked it more than I did? Well, I told you I like the environment. Yeah. That, that, you know, as we've talked about in the past, I think environment's important to a film. And I think this definitely does a good job of like showcasing a small Connecticut town and, um, and why he has to hide out because it is a small Connecticut town and they are able to kind of, uh, surround the perimeter josh yes so yeah i thought it was good the opening where it kind of gives you the little vignettes of people in the town on the main street going into shops and whatever was nice but again i feel like a lot of the stuff that's maybe meant to give you that sense the subplots like with the cops and with the drunk santa is dreadful you wonder if they had like a two and a half hour cut oh god just got rid of well i definitely wouldn't have wanted to watch that So. Out of what uh, five uh, Scandinavian uh, lootfishes? Loot loot sure, cured lootfishes for seven days. Yeah, because they they have, have a Scandinavian dinner. Yeah, Christmas which is dinner. another sort of like joke that I felt like didn't really take off. Three, three, three lootfishes. All right, well, which yeah, which is an Icelandic uh, fish, if you're wondering. Oh, I wasn't, but thank you. <laughs> um, I could be lying. Did you look that up? I know that because I'm a food writer. Oh, Josh. right. Of course. Okay. Also, uh, unrelated, once on uh, on Dave's podcast, when I recommended the Day Trippers, I said Judy Davis was in it, but it's Hope Davis who was in that and Judy Davis who's in this. Very, How many for you? Very different people. Uh, I would give it two and a half, I think. So we're not that far off. I think I gave it, I was looking when I watched it again, I looked on Letterboxd and I think I'd given it two the last time, and I was a little more generous this time, I think maybe just because of expectations, because I remembered not liking it. So it's an okay movie. I definitely wouldn't put it in my rotation of movies to watch at Christmas. Though. Yeah, I, mean, I wonder if that's also part of it, because I, around this time of year, I do like watching a lot of holiday films. So this one, definitely, as we said, is a different type of feel and a different tone than most of them. So to me, that's also nice. And it's only an hour and 37 minutes, which is also nice, because Movies are so long now, Josh. That is true. So we'll come back in a moment and talk about the legacy of the ref.
Welcome back to Awesome Movie Year and in our special holiday episode, looking back on our season of 1994 and holiday classic, The Ref. And I think we can call it a classic, even though I didn't really like it. But as we keep saying, I have been saying throughout this episode, it has become sort of one of those go-to movies that gets aired on cable and that people break out at the holidays and watch alongside various other beloved holiday films. Could you could you see yourself watching it again at some point? I would prefer not to. I could um, definitely watch it again. Dave I, hasn't, of course, seen it for years. No, yeah. Did you ever see it, Dave? Yeah, I loved this movie when oh, I was a kid, okay. but I don't think I've seen it since the 90s. You know? Yeah. There's yeah. just no reason for him to have seen it this past week. So. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sorry, guys. <laughs> um, no, I think like we've said, like my sister, I know, is a big fan of this. So I could see if we are at holiday time, got the family together. This might be a movie she'd try to get us all to watch. But uh, I, there's plenty of other holiday movies. Do, would you guys see. end up fighting like they do in the ref? I don't think we would fight quite like that. Wow. Uh, I would just maybe gently uh, try to steer her to something more consensus uh, favorite for the whole family. What do you think that would be? Maybe Elf. Elf's a good movie. Yeah, Elf is a good movie. Yeah. Um, but I think that is probably the biggest legacy here is the fact that this movie has, that it has a legacy at all, that it's a Christmas favorite now. Yeah, I think that uh, first Dennis Leary starring vehicle and the kind of, um, the where it fits in the Ted Demi canon. Right, yeah, we talked a bit about that as well. And I don't know, other than Blow, and I have seen Beautiful Girls. I haven't seen a ton of his movies. I mean, he only made a handful of movies anyway before he passed away. But I do feel like, again, he he did try a lot of different genres, as you were saying, tried to kind of branch out. But I feel like that also means that you can look at those movies and there's not a lot unifying them to be able to say, this is a guy who had a great vision that he wasn't able to realize right but he was a name director already at the time and you know when we talked about rob reiner with north we mentioned that string of hits that he had which were all in different genres true so maybe that's something that could have happened here we will never know right i mean he also didn't have even when he was working his movies weren't hits i mean as we just said this movie was not a hit right you, you would to me i think he would have become some type of streaming or cable you know creator and yeah we've seen dennis leary do that and i think they would have hit on something pretty unique the two of them together but i do think he gets some of De like i said dennis leary's best performances you know so right i mean i think dennis leary's best performances maybe were in those mtv spots in yeah no cure for cancer and i mean he is he is solid here and i think you're right that dennis leary obviously went on to create and star in multiple shows, including, as we talked about, Rescue Me and The Job, uh, as well as his most recent Sex and Drugs and Rock and Roll, which is just unbelievably bad. Well, yeah, I didn't watch that one. And that was a good call on your part. I do think with these shows that Dennis Leary got really into his own persona. Yes. And really into how cool, like he would write these roles for himself where he was like the coolest, smartest guy in the room, betting all these hot women, and it just got really insufferable. Yeah, there's definitely a masculine um, bent to what he does, and you wonder if that holds up a few years from now. Uh, also, though, I think he does like, but you know, he gives his character 
uh, flaws, but they don't shine as much as like the a. Well, as broken as I am, I'm still banging all these hotties. Right. I think that's what it is on those shows, especially like on Rescue Me or even on on Sex and Drugs and Rock and Roll. He makes such a show of the character being messed up, but it's like cool messed up. Right. You know, and it. uh, Yeah, it's what people always thought, like how I thought of as Anthony Bourdain, whether it was that way or not. Uh, did you read about the original ending of this movie? I did, yeah, which involved Gus, uh, Dennis Leary's character, turning himself in instead of uh, getting away, as he does in this movie. Right, to teach the kid that a life of crime is no good. Right, although the kid learns that lesson anyway in the way the ending is. I mean, he helps Dennis Leary get away, and then he goes back to his family. So I feel like it gets you to the same point. This across. ending worked better, I think. And, yeah. You know, they had screened the original ending, and it did not do well because people liked Gus in the film. Right. And I think you're meant to like Gus that yeah. uh, even though he's a criminal, he's not harming people. I mean, he's not hurting anyone and he's only stealing from these super rich people who can afford to lose things. And he's the kind of criminal that you can easily forgive. And of course, as a person, he's the most sympathetic because everyone else in the movie is constantly bickering and treating each other like crap. Yeah. Kevin Spacey does give a classic Kevin Spacey like midway through the movie i'm finally gonna stand up for myself and let it all out like you know speech which he's very good at he's always been very good at those speeches you know? yeah it seemed like sort of a pale uh take on american beauty which about came the, out later yeah yeah the frustrated suburban dad who wants the life of adventure or whatever i think you're right the other note i had was you know i liked in the 90s when these movies would be released in other countries and they'd give them different titles. I thought this had a good uh, second title for other countries. Hostile Hostages. Yeah, that's good. I and mean, the ref is also a terrible title. And I think that might have been part of the mismarking. Yeah, he's this. not really refing. He's, you know, it could, they should have called it the therapist because that's who he plays. Or, or, I mean, something that doesn't get across the Christmas aspect. It doesn't get across the comedy aspect. It makes it sound like a sports movie. It just is a very poor title. Yeah, they should have called it the guy on Christmas who accidentally kidnaps the couple who's fighting ho ho I mean they could have called it holiday hostages or something Ooh, like that. Josh just did it in two words. <laughs> See? <laughs> um and you mentioned the was it Entertainment Weekly naming it one of the best movies you've never seen. It was also nominated for the uh, AFI's 100 years 100 laughs list, but it didn't make it. So there were 100 funnier movies at least than this. I looked at I looked at that list, the uh, not the laughs list with the movies that uh, you haven't seen. Yeah, which is now up to 62. Okay. I don't know how they maybe they add one a year or something. I'm not doing the math in my head. So math is not our one. strong suit, as yeah. we've established multiple times. <laughs> and on this that podcast. wouldn't have worked either because it's uh, this would have been seven years later. So it would have been 57. But uh, anyway, uh, I thought I would have seen more of them, but they're right. There's a lot of movies I haven't seen. Well, you can delve into that then and maybe see some gems that you're not aware of. I have a goal now. All right. <laughs> Good deal. <laughs> So that is The Ref, and that is this special holiday episode of Awesome Movie Year. Give us a Christmas gift by following us on social media. Yeah, follow us. And also, if you really want to make our spirits bright, then you can give us some five-star ratings on the iTunes and the other The Apple Podcast. Nobody says iTunes anymore. Well, you know, people who watch The Ref do. We are all over the social media at Awesome Movie Year on Facebook, awesomemovieyear.com, on the interwebs, uh, Awesome Movie Year on Instagram, 
and awesome movie pod on Twitter. I'm Jason Harris comedy on all those things, except I think on Twitter, I'm Jay Harris comedy and your website. Go for Jason.com needs an update. Yeah. So don't go for Jason.com you can. yet. You can watch my web series, the defeated. Oh, that's there. a good, that's a, you should watch that. Thank you. Good stuff. Thank you. Better than the ref. Uh, I'll take it. <laughs> you can find me at Josh bell hates everything.com on Facebook at Josh bell hates everything. And on Twitter at signal bleed and check out our producer, Jewish David Rosen's <laughs> great <laughs> podcast, piecing it together. You can find us wherever you listen to awesome movie year and also at piecingpod.com and on all the social media sites uh, at piecing pod. And we're continuing our festive theme next episode. What are we doing? Jason? We're moving. We're skipping 2007. There was only one Christmas movie that came out in 2007. Humbug to 2007. Yeah, it was Noel, which I had never seen. But uh, yeah, we're going to go right to 1989 as a precursor to get us into season three. And we are talking about a holiday classic, Josh. National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. So tune in next time for Christmas Vacation. Thanks for listening to Awesome Movie Year. Thank you for listening to Awesome Movie Year. Make sure to follow Awesome Movie Year on Facebook, at Awesome Movie Pod on Twitter, and at Awesome Movie Year on Instagram. And if you like the show, review us and rate us with five stars on Apple Podcasts. And all points west.